Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to this presentation of uh, the annual results of Investec for the year ended 30 March uh, 2019. I will start off by giving a broad overview of the results. Thereafter, Nishlin will take you through the detail of the results, and Hendrik and myself will come back to give you a brief um, update on, on the businesses and, and review of uh, the past year. After that, we will be ready to take uh, your questions. I'm just trying to navigate uh, this. Okay, there we go. So, uh, all of us are aware that we are in the process of implementing a strategy to uh, focus uh, the business and to simplify it as we go forward. And this strategy entails a planned demerger and separate listing of the asset management business. On the one hand and on the other, uh, the repositioning of uh, the bank and wealth business for a sustained growth over the long term. So if we look at the results very briefly, Operating profit increased by 9.4% to 664.5 million rand. Pounds, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Adjusted earnings per share increased by 3.6% to 51.1p. Dividend per share uh, grew by 2.1% uh, to 24.5p. ROE improved from 12.1% to 12.9%. And capital ratios remained sound in both South Africa and the UK. And I wish to highlight that the group has received approval to go to FERB in South Africa, and this results in a pro forma core equity tier 1 ratio of 11.6%. This solid performance was supported by substantial net inflows of 6.1 billion uh, in the asset management business, really great performance. And this led to higher average funds under management and annuity fees. Secondly, we saw good client acquisition and loan book growth in the banking businesses with very pleasing increases in net interest income. The loan book grew to 24.9 billion. We saw a significant improvement in the performance of the UK specialist bank with impairments significantly down as we have now dealt with the legacy book. Within the wealth business, we saw positive discretionary inflows uh, with total net inflows of 366 million uh, pounds. This performance was offset, on the other hand, by weaker market and deal-driven income reflecting the tough environment in which we operate. In the, investment, uh, in, in, in the banking business, we saw investment income being significantly lower than the previous year. In the wealth and investment business, there was a non-recurrence of investment gains in the wealth and investment business in the prior year, which we did disclose, and in the current year, we had uh, a write-down of the Click and Invest capitalized software development as we have decided to discontinue uh, the Click platform. 
So if you uh, look at these uh, once-off items uh, around the wealth business, the core wealth business actually recorded earnings growth uh, in the year. It really is important to give that context to uh, the wealth business. While our operating costs were up uh, ahead of uh, revenue for the full year, we have, as you probably know, committed uh, to a program of cost containment and revenue growth uh, as we go forward. So we're confident that we will be able to meet the cost-to-income targets that we have communicated to the market. These results, in our view, uh, were achieved within the backdrop of challenging operating environment with both the two core markets, being the UK on one hand and South Africa on the other, experiencing significant weak economic growth. And as you know, the equity markets were very mixed as well. Sorry, before I go there, let me just uh, give you a, uh, a bit of a perspective on where we are since uh, we announced uh, uh, the demerger, because it is important that uh, we take into cognizance the fact that the group is in transition, but in the meantime, we operate as one group and we are making uh, some progress. With respect specifically to the, to the D major, you may recall that the D major was announced on the 14th of September last year. And at that time, we did announce that we expected that we would be able to complete uh, the process of demerging asset management within a year. At the moment, we are still on track to achieving that D major by the end of September. So we are on track. Secondly, you will know that uh, the group has gone through a leadership uh, transition. That transition, have I got the right slide on the board? Okay, sorry. There we go. So that transition happened both at the group with respect to the founding uh, executives retiring, but also inside of uh, a number of the divisions. More specifically, I would like to uh, announce again that uh, we have appointed Ruth Lees as uh, Chief Executive of the Bank here in the UK. We're quite excited about that. Along with uh, Ruth, we've made other appointments. As an example, Karen Willen uh, will be the Chief Operating Officer of the Bank and Wealth Business. Um, David Van der Valt, who was CEO of uh, uh, the bank here in the UK, will become uh, CRO of uh, Chief Risk Officer of, of the group Lyndon O'Brien. Uh, will head our global, uh, will be the global head of technology and digitization. So even as we uh, discontinue click, our commitment to digitalization and to technology remains particularly strong. The wealth business uh, will be run by Henry Blumenthal and Jonathan Reg. as Steve Elliott will be retiring at the end of the current fi financial year. That is March 2020. Sapi, thank you very much. Uh, for your great service uh, to this business. The selected growth initi initiatives that we are pursuing are on track. As an example, in the private bank, we are seeing great traction with respect to client acquisition. Um, and in other areas where we have indicated we are pursuing growth, uh, we are seeing traction. We can talk about that a little bit later. We have, in the meantime, also taken a number of actions as we proceed to simplify and focus the business. As an example, 
we have disposed of our Irish world business as we did not have the, the, the sufficient scale uh, in that market. Similarly, we have restructured our prime broking business uh, in Ireland. As uh, indicated earlier, uh, we discontinued our click and invest platform because after a review of the market opportunity and the relative cost of operating click, uh, 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 we decided that uh, we will discontinue click. Uh, we will, however, continue to invest uh, quite uh, strongly in digital platforms across the group. Further simplification has occurred uh, with us winding down the Hong Kong non-core investment portfolio. Just to be clear, our asset management business uh, continues to operate within uh, the Asia region. I did indicate that uh, our cost-to-income ratio uh, remains elevated uh, at the moment. I'm sure if you look at the results, you will see that we have begun to make uh, some inroads into group costs with a reduction in this period of $4 million. And as I indicated at the Capital Market Day presentation, we have identified uh, more savings as we go. We continue to focus on capital allocation and improving shareholder returns, and we remain confident that uh, we will achieve the performance, the performance targets that we have communicated to the market. We have positioned our businesses to ensure that they meet growth objectives and deliver long-term shareholder returns. Nish, uh, over to you. and uh, just as a reminder, this is the entire group. Um, I think the first uh, contextual area to look into is the backdrop of the economic environment, and in particular, if I look at the equity markets, I draw your attention to the third quarter uh, of last year where we had seen quite a significant drop-off on markets, which would have had an impact on um, effectively the momentum on revenue build across some of the businesses. Um, the exchange rates remain volatile over the period, and we saw political uncertainty in, in the two key geographies uh, that we've operated in, uh, resulting in market uh, volatility um, that impacts the results. I think if we look at the overall results, however, um, our return on equity for the combined group at 12.9%, improving from 12.1% at the end of last year. Our cost-to-income ratio at 69.9% is higher than our target of 65%, and I draw your attention to the point that I made on revenue in the period. In fact, if I look at the underlying cost base, the bank and wealth grew its cost base by 2.4% in the current period, notwithstanding certain benefits in the prior year. The asset management business grew its cost base by 8.9% in the period, reflecting investments in, in the platforms as well as implementing MIFID and various other regulatory requirements um, in the current period. Our capital ratios remained healthy across the businesses. Fani has mentioned that we've adopted uh, FERB, uh, which is effectively a risk-based measurement for capital uh, in South Africa. Um, that adoption is uh, our permission applies from 1 April, so we have presented pro forma numbers and it will be the measurement basis for capital going forward for the South African business. The uh, UK business 
continues to measure capital on the standardized basis. The adoption of FERB has added uh, just over 1% to the capital ratio for um, South Africa, with the set one ratio at 11.6% and uh, the PLC at 10.8%. Uh, based on our final dividend of 24, oh, our total dividend for the period of 24.5p, our overall dividend cover ratio is about 2.2 times. If we have to unpack operating profit, which grew from 607.5 million pounds to 664.5 million pounds, um, you would see that uh, overall uh, the UK business grew operating profit by 36.1% over the period, and South Africa grew operating profit by 1.8% um, over the period. If we had to further unpack that in terms of businesses, the specialist banking businesses saw good loan, loan uh, book growth across the geographies. Um, there was a significant impairment reduction in the UK business as, as legacy has now been dealt with fully. And we have, um, across both geographies, lower investment income given the economic environment. And that, that extends across our unlisted and listed portfolios as well as our property portfolios in the group. Our wealth and investment uh, businesses experience positive net inflows, particularly within the discretionary funds. Um, we did have a reduction in some of the non-discretionary funds, but elements of that intentional. Um, however, the earnings were impacted by um, non-recurring items, in particular, again, in the prior year on a realization of an investment, and in the current year, additional software write-offs of around about £6 million. Pounds. Uh, with relation to the click uh, platform. The asset management business experienced substantial net inflows of 6.1 billion pounds over the period, um, and that has resulted in growth in AUM and annuity fees. However, market volatility would have impacted the volume growth on, uh, over the, particularly from the third quarter, and uh, lower performance fees in the current period, as well as the increased uh, cost base that I mentioned uh, earlier. Um, the Specialist Bank in the UK grew profits uh, by £78.6 million. In South Africa, a growth of 2% in RAND terms. The wealth businesses, um, as I had mentioned, down during the period. Group costs, uh, we have uh, reduced it by £3.2 million over the period, and I've discussed the asset management businesses. In terms of the core drivers, um, I think it's important to contextualize that the RAND had depreciated by 13.1% over the period, so that has an impact on the closing balance sheet and closing FUM um, numbers. However, with, notwithstanding that, FUM has grown to a record level of £167.2 billion pounds, uh, across the book with uh, a growth of 4.1% and net inflows experienced in the period of £6.5 billion. Pounds. Customer accounts um, and core loans and advances growing by 1% and, point, and uh, core loans dropping by 0.8%. In neutral currency, core loans is up by 6.8%, with the specialist bank in the UK experiencing a growth of about 8.5% um, over the period, supported by both uh, corporate lending as well as private client lending over the period. In South Africa, the book growth was 5.8% over the period. In terms of operating income, uh, operating income grew from 2.44 billion to 2.49 billion over the period. 
net fees, which makes up uh, about 1.4 billion of that number um, in the period, growing by 1%. So if we had to just unpack some of the key line items, net interest income grew by 7% over the period, supported by the book growth that I mentioned in the current period and the prior period, as well as a positive endowment effect uh, resulting from higher interest rates that have been applicable. Net fee income growing by 1%. In fact, if you had to unpack that number, the annuity fees had good growth over the period, offset by a reduction in performance fees, brokerage fees, and transactional fees earned uh, within our wealth businesses as clients effectively slow down their activity levels. The investment and associate income line item uh, dropping by 33%, and if you had to unpack that, um, a higher level of associate income as uh, our investment in IEP had, had experienced a good realization in the period and lower net investment income uh, given the market uh, environment that we faced. Trading income increasing by 21% or 29 million pounds. That does have a currency impact which to some extent is related with our investment portfolio uh, and customer flows uh, slightly down in the current period. Our JAWS ratio with the higher cost income uh, uh, ratio has tightened slightly over the period with operating income growing by 1.8% and operating costs growing by 3.8% over the period. Um, as Fani has iterated, the group remains uh, committed to uh, revenue growth and cost containment over the, uh, over the next while. Well, in fact, that's embedded into the business. From a cost perspective, um, I think there's two key lines to talk about, which is our premises cost, which was up 31% in the period, or up by 18.7 million pounds. We had a combination of uh, asset management moving into new premises, and there's an element of double rental, a concept that you would have heard of last year as we shifted our specialist banking business in the UK into new premises. We do anticipate some of those costs uh, reducing uh, in, in, the next, in, in the next financial year. And the other line is business expenses, which was up by 8% or 15.2 million pounds in, in the period, and that really represents the change in the regulatory landscape as we implemented it across the businesses. I also draw your attention to the fact that personnel costs was up 2% uh, over the current period. Depreciation um, as well up by 47%, that really represents uh, a shift from premises costs to uh, sorry, it, it actually is a, the, the investment in our platforms as well as that includes the additional £6 million of uh, write-off that we had processed on software in the current period. From an expected credit loss perspective, um, and if we spoke about this last year, it's incurred loss and the new IFRS 9 terminology expected credit loss, the reality is it's all got to do with impairments at the end of the day. Our impairments have dropped from 148.6 million pounds to 66.5 million pounds, and you see the drop-off of the gray bar um, as the bulk of the uh, legacy book, which closed the year at about 130 million pounds from uh, dropping about 125 million pounds since the end of March last year. The credit loss ratios uh, across the book uh, remaining uh, relatively uh, at our lower end of uh, uh, the cycle at 31 basis points for the overall group. I think it's worth also noting that our stage three book uh, reduced by 29% over the period um, and 
that is about 520 million pound reduction. Um, and when I refer to stage three, that's really what we call the default book, as you would have understood, understood it in the past world. And that makes up about 1.3% of our overall book. Um, if you analyze equity, equity has dropped from 4.2 billion uh, at the end of March to 4.1 billion at the end of uh, March 19. Um, we had already communicated one element of that drop uh, as we adopted IFRS 9, which reduced equity by 260 million pounds. Um, and the other would, uh, negative impact in the period would have been the 13% depreciation uh, in the RAND. Notwithstanding those movements, we've had good retention across the businesses and maintaining a dividend payout ratio of about 44% in this period. Our earnings per share of 55.1p um, uh, against 53.2p last year with a dividend payout ratio of 2.2 times and a final dividend, I mean a total dividend of 24.5p for the period. From a capital perspective, I think we've been through these numbers. I'm not going to reiterate uh, any, any of them. Um, I think capital remains uh, sound across uh, all of the balance sheets um, and, and the geographies, um, and uh, we've maintained our target ratios. Obviously, with the adoption of FERB, uh, we will shift uh, those target ratios, and we've indicated uh, that that will be in the region of 11% going forward. Our solid uh, leverage ratios across the balance sheet um, is, is well represented. Liquidity levels with cash in year cash at 13.3 billion pounds for uh, for the group, and I think that's the numbers. You obviously have a detailed book, so I'll stop there for now and hand over to Fani again. I hope uh, you don't have to applaud again when I get off the stage, because I'm going to be back, and Nish will be back. Uh, a little later. Um, I was remiss in not uh, saying that uh, Nish has been appointed as uh, uh, a financial director, finance director, uh, to replace Glenn. This is the first set of results uh, where Glenn is not finance director. Well done, Nish. What do we have on this screen? Nish, you're going to have next time to help me. Okay, there we go. Okay, next slide, current slide. <laughs> you can see why you need a younger uh, finance director. He can show us the values a little bit uh, how to use technology. So we're going to look at uh, specifically at the bank and wealth group. Nish, what's happened here? Have I clicked too many times? Okay, and show. What do I do now? Come help me. Nish may have to stand here and help me out. Okay, where are we? Please come help uh, me operate this thing. Okay. Yeah, I have some uh, special notes on this one, so I operate both of them. Where are we? Okay, let's go back. 23. I want to go back to slide uh, to that slide. Okay, thank you. We're going to go through both the asset management business and the wealth business, but uh, a lot of what Nish has discussed in the detail will also relate to the bank and wealth business. So I'm not going to go over all the detail that you may see uh, on the slide. So I'll try to go through fairly quickly uh, as we go through the presentation. 
Um, the bank and wealth business has a balanced mix of income across uh, both geographies, business lines, and, uh, and income streams. So operating income was marginally up to 1.9 uh, billion uh, pounds. Uh, operating profit was up 13% to 485 uh, million pounds. Operating profit in South Africa was up 1.8% in rents. Uh, that uh, operating environment there was very tough. So the results you see are, I'm really very proud of because it was a tough environment to operate in. In the UK, uh, the business uh, showed uh, an increase in operating profit of 36 uh, 0.1%. So a well-balanced uh, mix of income, uh, as I said uh, when I started. Looking at uh, the wealth and investment business, again, uh, Michelin has covered uh, most of uh, the key issues here, being that uh, we had an increase in, in funds under management. We saw uh, an increase in discretionary uh, funds under management, and this was partially uh, offset by uh, discontinued, non-core, non-managed UK services. The operating profit seems to be down substantially, as we explained before, at 16.2% down to 82 million. Uh, but below those results, the headline results, we saw a pleasing growth in annuity uh, revenue. And similarly, the performance of the underlying wealth business was uh, particularly strong given where uh, the markets uh, have been uh, and the economy is at the moment. Uh, I'm not going to go over uh, the two issues that affected that business. We've mentioned them. Um, uh, the investment gain, gain in the prior period and the write-down uh, in click. The operating margin was at 20.6%, reflecting the impact of the losses in click that we have uh, uh, disclosed uh, in our results. Moving to the specialist bank, uh, and we'll start off with the specialist bank uh, in the UK. Uh, revenue was supported uh, by a client activity with call loans up 8.5% to 10.5 billion, uh, as uh, Nishlin indicated. Good growth um, uh, in uh, the high net worth mortgage book. And uh, for those who doubted our strategy uh, around investing in the UK private bank, that strategy is beginning to pay, and you're beginning to see uh, the impact of it. Uh, we also have a very diversified corporate client book. Um, when we had our, our uh, CMD uh, presentation in February, uh, uh, David was able to show the distinctive positioning of our corporate bank and the fact that we actually have franchises that have developed over time. So we begin to see a good uh, growth in that diversified corporate loan book. As I said, we have, we have had uh, good client support, uh, both in the private bank and in the corporate bank. Now, turning to operating income, net interest income uh, was up uh, with solid lending activity and endowment impact, as, uh, as Nishin explained. We had weaker performance in the investment portfolio I'm not going to go into the uh, cost-to-income ratio. I think Nishlin went into that and, and gave us uh, practically uh, what uh, the movements were there. Needless to say, as he said, we are committed uh, for the bank and wealth business to achieving a cost-to-income ratio by 2022 of below uh, 63%. So if you see where it is now at 70, and in the next uh, 
uh, to uh, to three years, we expect that to be at 63%. That will be a, a consequence of both uh, revenue growth, uh, stopping losses in certain areas, like, for instance, as uh, we have talked about the momentum that the private bank uh, is gaining. Uh, so we're quite confident that we can get there uh, in the time that we have indicated. Looking at the specialist bank uh, in South Africa, the only point I will, I will highlight here is that uh, we had good growth uh, in the private uh, bank there. We saw good private client um, activity and muted uh, growth in, uh, in our corporate uh, business. If we look at the operating income, uh, again, uh, growth in the private client in, in interest and fee income. Um, we've seen weaker performance as initially indicated in our equity and property portfolios and uh, the cost to income ratio in the South African bank is already within the band that we have announced uh, for 2022. The target there is 49% to 52%. So we are already within that particular target. Just moving on. This is an interesting uh, slide uh, as we look at uh, uh, the ROE trend within uh, the bank and wealth business. Our medium-term targets are 12 to 16%. Remember that our current targets with asset management in, in the business are 12 to 16%. So the improvement in performance post-D measure uh, that we expect will be significant because we have very strong franchises and we have specific things that uh, we can do to improve performance. So at uh, March 19, our ROE was 10.4%. Uh, In February, we announced uh, specific actions that we will take, and largely the enhancement will come out of uh, revenue growth initiatives that are very targeted. Uh, it will come out of uh, uh, discipline around cost. I've already indicated some of the ratios that uh, we intend to achieve with respect to cost of income. Uh, we will be optimizing capital allocation, and I will give you an example, uh, I think, in the next slide of the impact of capital allocation, and we will be looking uh, to offer our clients across Bank and Wealth and across North and South uh, products and services that the whole group offers so that we can capture a bigger proportion of their wallet. This is what we call One Investec, where we bring all the products and services and the power of the, the platform uh, to our clients. So in terms of cost to income, I'm not going to repeat uh, what we have said uh, already. If we go into slide 25, this is really an important slide because it tries to uh, tell you why we believe the targets that we're looking at are achievable. If you look at uh, the bank and wealth cost to income ratio of 70% going to 63%, and if you look at uh, the ROE of the business going from 10.4% to 12 to 16%. So I'm going to deal specifically with ROE. If we start off on the left looking at uh, the South African Specialist Bank, where the reported performance is 12.8%, and I've mentioned that we have uh, uh, a low-performing uh, uh, investment portfolio there, which is returning 8.1%. The 
plant franchises within the Specialist Bank in South Africa are already returning 14.2%. So the target for the SA Specialist Banking business is an ROE of 14 to 16%. So as we reshape the investment portfolio by exiting certain parts that are non-core and as we reduce the overall size of that portfolio and reinvest into the client franchises, we will see the increase in performance uh, in terms of ROE. Um, so we know where the dregs are and we are dealing with them. Look at uh, the UK specialist banking business. The overall business returned 8.1% um, as uh, reported, uh, but if you exclude the investment we have decided to make in the private banking platform. Remember I told you that uh, we've seen significant loan growth and a lot of that came from our private banking platform, that uh, we have great support from our high net worth individuals. This is a piece that is still making uh, a loss. You can see the initial indicates uh, a return on equity there of minus 41.8%. We are on track with our strategy ahead in terms of uh, reducing those losses and in terms of uh, on track in terms of client acquisition. So when we get to uh, break even and profitability there, you can see the overall business except for that platform is already making 10.5%. Our target for the UK Specialist Bank is 10 to 13%. That's why we believe that the platform is strong, performance will be there, We've identified what we need to do specifically, and in the long term, obviously, we've got to grow revenue, we've got to serve our clients, and we've got to be competitive uh, within the market. So if we go to Outlook, we have very strong and leading uh, market positions in terms of our client franchises. And we really positioned for long term uh, value creation despite markets being challenging. We look at value creation for our clients. We look at value creation uh, for our staff. We look at value creation for the communities in which we operate and we look for value creation uh, for our, uh, our shareholders importantly. So we will also continue to focus on our clients, our people and our distinctive entrepreneurial culture. What makes us different uh, and what makes us uh, as special uh, to our clients as we have been because our, our clients love who we are and uh, what we do and how we do it. So our culture is particularly important as we move forward. Lastly, to repeat, we are committed to um, achieving uh, our performance targets in the short to medium term. What are our strategic priorities? And I'm not going to go through uh, all this again because uh, we have a very detailed a capital market uh, presentation, which you can find on our website, and we have very specific uh, actions and activities that we will be engaged in. What I can say is, with respect to capital discipline, we are already seeing certain benefits uh, with the repo uh, in terms of repositioning of, uh, in particular, the, uh, the uh, investment portfolio. With respect to building momentum in selected growth initiatives, I've spoken about uh, the private banking uh, platform in the UK. I can talk about the progress we're making in Investec for Business, which is our mid-market corporate offering in South Africa. 
I can talk about the progress we're making in the life business uh, in South Africa, and uh, there are many identified activities that are tangible that uh, we are pursuing. Cost management we've spoken about, and we also have spoken about our commitment to deliver a shared value proposition to our clients across bank and wealth as well as across geographies, and consequently uh, that will enable us to capture more value. And we continue to invest in technology because we do believe that it will enhance client experience, it will leverage efficiencies, and it will enhance innovation. So we, we think the business is well positioned. We have a clear path forward in terms of delivery to shareholders. Hendrik, over to you. Thank you. I'm going to be coming back, so no applause, please. Articulated the bank and wealth very, very clearly and the strategic priorities, and I hope to do the same for the asset management business. Um, essentially, on an overview basis, we've been pushing forward, is the, is, the, is the summary, because pretty tough markets in the second half of the year started with Q3, and then uh, <coughs> improved conditions towards the end of the financial year, which obviously results into a, 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 a revenue line which was slightly disrupted but we're at record levels in assets under management, 111 million pounds. <clears throat> so AUM up 7.3% over the period. We've had operating profit growth, uh, again, inching forward, but at, 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 at a high, historic high, and an operating margin in line with reported at half year, really uh, challenged to an extent by specific expenditure such as double premises, <coughs> method expenditure, and, of course, continued investment, because this is a growth business, and we're positioning it for growth. Uh, and we had some performance fees, uh, which, in, in comparison with previous years, didn't come through, which may recur in, or may come through in future, again, uh, depending on, on how we deliver. But essentially, a very healthy and robust platform looking ahead and in growth mindset. Just to remind you about the business positioning, uh, more than half, almost uh, 60% of, of or in the high 50s of, of, of assets, and it changes daily. What we run is invested in emerging markets. We haven't changed that. I remember a few years ago when emerging markets were down, people said, what's your change in strategy? Well, there is no change in strategy. Strategy is clear. We're in line with the investable universe of the world, and we're pursuing that and doing it properly. Um, the uh, a substantial developed markets investment portfolio and business, which is driven around global investing as opposed to in-country investing, and a strong, uh, well-established client reach in all the major pools of capital. And so you see this year the net flows, which, was, which, were, uh, which recorded $6.1 billion, which in industry context I think is pretty decent. Uh, those net flows came from different parts of the world than last year. I mean, the stars this year were our European and Africa platforms, European including UK. UK did particularly well, and of course, also, uh, the African business did very well. But, uh, you know, we have different, we can reach different client bases depending on appetite and provide them with relevant offering. So, uh, from an outlook point of view, uh, we think the long-term growth fundamentals of the asset management business are a great deal better than the current narrative. 
simply because of the volume growth in the market and the need for investment return. Uh, of course, there are some headwinds and challenges in the maturing industry which we need to manage. Our business has positive momentum, uh, and we are, we, I can still report, and I can report as I've done many years in the past, that we have a very motivated and stable staff complement, uh, well supported by a strong and established culture which can carry us through tough times. Concluding with strategic priorities, I'm, and I've specifically uh, mentioned uh, uh, priorities in the context of the articulation of the broad long-term priorities at the uh, pre-results update, and I remind you of those. Our long-term priorities are to concentrate our efforts on our existing offering. No change, no M&A, none of those things. Deepen and strengthen investment and client capabilities for the long term. That's what we do as a business every day. Scale our offering through our global distribution model. Very, very simple. We've got an offering, we've got 111 billion, we can run significantly more of our platforms and we will ensure that our offerings are client relevant and therefore can grow over time with our clients. So this business is positioned for growth. In the context of that, what are we focusing on? We're focusing on growing our advisor business. Why advisor business? This is professionally intermediated uh, advisor business through bank uh, and insurance platforms as well as in, in our core regions, financial and independent financial advisors. Uh, because discretionary savings pools are growing, because of the move from DB to DC in the pension game, people have to provide for their own uh, 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 retirement. And of course, uh, wealth, wealth businesses are, 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 are growing clients of ours. Continue to invest in, in our investment platform, particularly multi-asset, which is an opportunity for this discretionary savings pool, and of course, China. Asia is really important in all our lives. We know Asia will dominate the economic center of gravity moving by the day to the east. We know the large uh, uh, the, the China opportunity. Initially, it's an investment opportunity. Later, it is a, 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 a money-raising opportunity. But a significant new universe will be coming into the index, edging into the indices we are measured against. And if China is fully into the emerging market index, it will completely dominate it, and you have to be prepared. And we have relevant and good investment product we're building and, 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 and growing by the day. Um, and, and that is a longer-term thing. Of course, the, the North America institutional business is the, is the opportunity for the next few years. We've invested significantly in that capacity in terms of reaching that market, and we hope to... to uh, that that bears fruit over the next few years. Uh, we also know business, and the investor group is ready for it, but particularly the asset management business can avoid or should, should not embrace the trend towards sustainability. Also, as, uh, for investment opportunities, more and more capital wants to be allocated to this huge opportunity, growth opportunity in the world, transitioning the world to a clean and green economy. But also, because our clients require it, because our clients care about their children in the future. So that's an important trend we'll talk about. It's not a near-term commercial opportunity, but it's very relevant in our strategic thinking. And finally, uh, we need to achieve a successful demerger and listing of Investec Asset Management. And as Fani said, we're on track to, do, to doing that. But noting 
And again, coming back to what Fani presented, everything we do is for the long term and in the interest of our clients. We are not running these businesses for annual earnings or six monthly earnings. What we've done over the last few months and the last year since we've taken leadership of this group is to think really long term. And we are confident that that will pay off uh, in future. And that's really uh, what we're about. So now I'd like to close. Thank you very much for listening to us. As I also get a hand. Thank you, Fani. We are here to take questions. Uh, Shall we start as usual with Johannesburg, Fani? Is that right? Or do you want to say something? No, no, no. no. Let's start with Chilbert, yeah? Okay. Because they normally... Good morning, gentlemen. Long time. Yeah. Can you hear us? Yes. Yeah. Richard, are you are you t- are you okay, talking? Good morning. We can't see you. Okay, there you no, are. I just got off the plane. I'm I know. <laughs> oh, well, you're okay. really looking neat. <laughs> <laughs> are there any questions from Johannesburg? Sure. I'm very quiet here, Fanny. Ruby, is num- are the numbers right? Everybody's happy. Oh, gosh. I can't see him in the audience, actually. Okay, Rich, I think let's, uh, let's pivot to London. We will give you another chance. Any questions okay. from uh, the floor here in London? Hendrik, what did we do? <laughs> no questions. Oh, Fari, uh, oh, I don't think I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Stephen, you mustn't ask questions. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, 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 Ian. You are found Ian Cantor. <laughs> he is not allowed to ask questions. He's not allowed to ask questions. But you can go for it, Ian. Go for it, Ian. <laughs> there's a, speak, there's a, use the mic, please. Sorry, I mean, the talk was good on sustainability. What does that mean to me in practice? It means that, firstly, you must get your organization. Firstly, the organization as a whole should take notice of what society expects. And that means the way we engage, uh, we have a, the way we live, the way we operate this business, the way we measure ourselves, and hopefully you'll see over the next few years in both businesses much improved disclosure and reporting to our stakeholders. But that's not the only thing. There are opportunities, because if you know the, the commission that, amongst others, I served on and was led by uh, Paul Polman, uh, identified a $12 trillion new economy. That's the size of China. There's this the transition towards sustainability. And we in the asset management business in particular, a bank has already been involved in clean energy for years, but in the asset management business, we are starting to launch specific investment offerings to people who want to participate in that growth opportunity. And in fact, we launched two uh, very specific funds earlier this year. And I think that is an opportunity, but I was very clear to say this is not only because you can raise a few more dollars to manage. This is because your communities expect and there's an inherent liability if you don't, if you don't think very deeply on these issues. And that means engaging with not only the, our clients, but also the companies we invest in, in a proper way, and understanding what they do and fulfilling our, our stewardship role. And similarly, as a, as a lender, we have to be. We have to engage, think about these issues. So this is a big story. It's not an earnings driver for the next year. That's right, Fani. Yeah, absolutely. Any further question? I took the mic away from Ian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Ian.
think let's go back to Johannesburg yeah. in case there is a question from there. Any any question from Johannesburg, Rich? Uh, let's see now. Still not brave enough. Okay, Rich, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have someone. Almost wrapped it up. Eh? <laughs> uh, hold on one second, Fanny. Morning. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for the presentation. It's Pankole uh, Bogu from Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Uh, just two questions for me. If we look at the performance of your investment income that was down, call it 50%, were there any specific counters there that we should uh, look out for? Um, that's the first. And then the second question would be, if you're looking to potentially reduce your investment portfolio over the next three years, are there going to be any potentials for accelerate, accelerated write-offs uh, kind of before you get that off your off your books or reduce your size to a more sustainable level. Thank you. Okay, let me start uh, with the second question. We've been very clear that we will reduce the portfolio in a responsible manner. We are in the business of creating value, and not destroying value. That's why we've given ourselves about three years or so to reshape that particular portfolio. We have identified a number of specific uh, areas where we need to take action and uh, um, work is uh, on the go there. So we are not going to try to uh, exit uh, stupidly. And exits are also dependent on markets. Uh, in the current environment and market, it will be very difficult uh, to accelerate exits. But we are exiting for value, not, uh, not uh, the other one. The first question, which is... Uh, with their specific uh, write-offs, of course, in a portfolio, uh, you will have uh, both gains and, uh, and losses. In particular, in an equity portfolio, there is a level of volatility. One of the reasons we have decided to pivot uh, uh, slightly away from proprietary investment is that over uh, the life of our investing in, in, in this area, we've done very well, but there are times when you get significant realizations and there are times when you can get uh, some knocks. That volatility uh, we do not like as a principle. Second, we want to invest behind our clients so that we can support our clients as they grow. Um, and thirdly, we want to be granular as opposed to taking big uh, strategic positions. So yes, there were certain specific uh, uh, write-offs as there were realizations. I think uh, um, you talked initially about a realization in IEP, uh, which was particularly significant. Uh, so, yes, uh, there has been some specific ones. But that is the nature of a portfolio of that nature. Any further questions? I think we're all good here, Fani. Thanks, Rich. Um, any last question from, uh, from London before we close? Okay, thank you. I think uh, what I'd like to do is uh, just... Uh, say a few words to uh, thanks in particular Jane uh, who's run uh, Click and Invest and build a platform over the last uh, few years, a platform that works. As I said, the market position for Click uh, is not, the, the opportunity rather, is not where uh, we had hoped it would be. We have uh, a number of our colleagues uh, who have been very good and loyal to Investec and we've had to take a tough decision. Jane and the team have been absolutely professional and we would like to recognize you. As we go through this process, we obviously will treat uh, our partners and colleagues with dignity and fairness and we will go through that process 
uh, carefully. So uh, thank you, Jay. And generally to the people of Investec, it's been tough uh, the last uh, 12 months or so. There's been uh, the demerger that we are in the process of uh, executing. Thank you for concentrating on our clients over this period. It would be very easy for us to look internally, concentrate on our own issues and, and, and neglect uh, our clients. Thank you for being long-term in your view. Thank you for caring as you do uh, for our clients. Uh, these results I'm very proud of, and I'm sure Hendrik is very proud of, given how tough uh, the environment has been. Uh, have been. Uh, but going forward, we obviously have to continue to do what we have done. Look after our clients, uh, care for each other, uh, care for our societies and environment, and produce returns in the long term for our shareholders. So thank you so much for the work that you have done. Hendrik, do you want to say anything? Well, I just want to go to the, the, the final point. I think it is important that you take note of the fact that we have now shaped two independent businesses ready for long-term growth and value creation. And we've done that in a, in a, in a period while we kept our eye on the ball. Uh, when, when next we stand here, we'll probably have different presentations. Uh, but you will be the owners of two businesses which are more simple, highly focused, and ready to grow. So thank you very much for your support.